I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are you troubled by stale podcasts in the middle of the night? Do you love films that feature the busting of spooks, specters, or ghosts? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Ghostbusters Resurrection is an RPG audio drama combining tabletop gaming and cinematic paranormal elimination adventures. Call the professionals at nerdyshow.com slash ghostbusters. We are ready to believe you. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. All right, so welcome to the first design episode we've done since the end of chapter one. Yeah, so chapter one has ended. I hope you guys had a great time listening to it if you listen to the play episodes. But Liam is picking up the torch next, and next week we're going to have a session zero out where you hear us create our characters and that kind of thing. Doug's in it. I think uh, it's going to be fun. I think I'm going to have a lot of fun doing it. No, I'm going to have a lot of fun playing it. And by the way, it's, it's me, Doug, and Liam tonight. Max can't make it, so uh, I don't know if we're going to start a Max Watch, but... Let's talk it's about Matt Watch. All the shit he talks um, about Doug Watch, uh, there's been a few episodes I've been here, he hasn't been here. That's he's uh, deal with he's, that. Today he's whittling, and whittling is an all-day event. So, Doug, are you excited to play this game? Yeah, like legit. Like, I mean, when we sat down to do Session Zero, I had a vague idea of what I wanted to do, and I didn't know anything about what Liam had planned. I mean, as we sat down and started to explore the characters, like every good Session Zero, it gets you pumped to play it which is why we talked about session zero like last time it's like mm-hmm. you you gotta do it gotta. i uh, i i had several ideas of what i wanted to do throughout all of them uh, same yeah what, yeah what i brought to the table what i thought i wanted i wanted to be uh, like use a, a rapier sword and be almost like musketeer like out the window <laughs> completely mm-hmm. oh i one one your characters seem so much fun but that's not even what i was most impressed with or most happy with the idea that you invented this former leader the idea that you made a party dynamic that already has internal conflict yeah but similar goals so like well, we're all natural kind of storytellers yeah. so we sought that out i think yeah there's there's a lot of room for minor character conflict that won't become a major mainstay of whatever plot's going on thank you because <laughs> that makes the planning phase a lot easier which i'm actually i'm having a lot of fun doing that and uh i'm like on my third draft of my initial box tech i mean i don't want to speak for everybody but i think as far as like players you may have it fairly easy compared to oh. most people because oh, we are no matter what you do we're gonna find fun <laughs> like we're gonna build our own story regardless we're on board yeah i mean 100 yeah cap is the largest wild card at this point only yeah, you, yeah only because you haven't really played with yeah. them before yeah and her um experience playing rpgs is is in a different lane than what we're going for yeah. sure. because we yeah. actually we we could go light on the mechanics for cap and, yeah. and and produce a similar experience but that's not our goal we well, are we are making a game that has to work mechanically sure let's talk about gming for a little bit i just finished a 14 part run which would be the equivalent of like 
a book one of an adventure path or a uh, module, if you're using D&D terms. And it was fun. Obviously, I did not prepare it pre-written in the way that you would get that content if you bought it outright. But it gave me a lot of insight into how they're made and the things I wish I could have had on hand at the time that I didn't, that I had to, I had to randomly generate. Or had to deal with literal rule changes as sure. we were going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's probably an added level of difficulty. But I want to talk about prep. Doug has made three seasons of Ghostbusters as the Ghostmaster, the yeah. GM of that. And a couple of one-shots for Nerdy Show as well. Mm-hmm. Liam was Doug's first GM ever. Mm. Why popped your cherry? <laughs> the eyebrows you gave me. No one's going to see the eyebrows. But I mean, you need to know, he gave me the eyebrows. <laughs> and I've run two long-form games, one for Liam and then one for Liam and Doug with uh, with other friends. And it was just the two of us sitting across from each other like like that <laughs> Fear of Girls short film. But there's a lot of prep that goes into it. And we've only done homebrew. I mean, it, it, we don't have yeah. a lot of adventure module stuff. And now that like I'm more familiar with playing them and that kind of thing, like I do enjoy it. And I do see how it frees up a GM to not spend so much time at the table coming up with rules and answers to things. Although there is kind of beauty in those moments as mm-hmm. well. Sure. Oh, some of those are my favorite. So I want to talk about prep a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to, while Liam GM's next, then it's Max, and then... Maybe maybe me. Maybe Doug. God, I want it. <laughs> I want <laughs> it right. so hard. All right. I got an idea I'm kicking around, you, but I've not, never, I've, You've never been my GM, and I've yeah. listened to you GM another game, and legitimately been jealous of some of the stories you've told about like prep work or the, the, the questionnaire you gave. Oh, yeah. Well, even that story, I'm like, oh, that's well, brilliant. You. I can send you the questionnaire if you want to take it. I don't. <laughs> I don't need to know that about me. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm a worse person than I think I am, and I need to keep that true. It's, the questionnaire is not... It's not about you. It's not about you. All right. It's like, look at these pictures. Pick one. You're like, uh... <laughs> I, don't, I don't want any of them. <laughs> and it requires you to pick one. Yeah. The amount of prep work that I put into a campaign, I'm almost embarrassed of how little it is. Like if I had oh. to, if I had to, um, are you joking? I'm not joking. It seems like I'm pre- preparing a lot because we're doing so much of things related to the campaign in these design episodes. But my actual prep work before I'm going to run a campaign is I have an idea of like a twist, uh-huh. and then I write like maybe three or four events that are very simple, mm-hmm. and then when we do a session zero. After you guys create your characters, I try to get another couple ideas. And then all I, all I do is worry about week to week. Before we play in one session, I will create an encounter using a random number generator mm-hmm. and then adjust the numbers so they look more appropriate. And I'll name them something. And then when you guys go to encounter them, if it's appropriate for you guys to fight something, I will often alter what it was you were going to fight into what you are now fighting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Everything else I try to do on the fly. That seems very reason like i want a, a percentage of total playtime for a week boiled down to your like compared to your prep time oh my prep time is very low for a two and a half hour session 30 minutes it's hard to it's hard to say that way because so sometimes especially at the end there when there's a lot of dialogue where More i have things that needs to come yeah. across yeah i need to sit down and actually write it out but even then it seems like a lot of effort was put into it but what's needed is so specific that as soon as I start writing, it comes out because mm-hmm. it needs to be something to fulfill this next thing. I'm I'm totally okay with that because I've definitely heard stories of people saying like, however long we play, I put in about that much time in prep, and I'm like, Ooh. yeah, not even close. I but I'm like, I don't think that's 
I think there's a problem with your system or your party if you're hitting that level. Either you can't rely on them to cut you some slack, or you're you're writing a novel and they're just there. There is a certain joy many GMs get out of over-prepping, where they're like, oh, well, it could be this, or it could be this, or it could be that. And they just write things out, and, oh, if they go down this door, I'll reveal this excellent thing I prepared. And if they never do, they're not actually that bothered by it, because they oh. just enjoy that part of it. It's not me. I gotta, I, I, I'm a little more utilitarian about this kind of thing. Everything you're saying is making me feel even weirder. <laughs> like, <laughs> not, not because I'm one way or the other, but because I'm a strange mix of both, and I can't fully explain why. Like, oh, no, that sounds maybe the most preferable yeah like i tend to over prepare mentally but if you look at like the paper that i bring with me it's just bullet points yeah so it's like on one hand like for example if we're doing ghostbusters resurrection and we're doing season two i based every location you guys went to on a real location i researched the fuck out of those locations and like wanted to be like if i was there what would i see what would it feel like what would it smell like i like i did deep wikipedia dives on all that shit because it was quote-unquote based in reality but once we got to the table, I felt armed with all of this knowledge of sure. like exactly what the environment was so that I would have an answer for you to bounce around in. Well, you do have an ex- a distinct advantage where your game setting takes place in an alternate version of our reality. Yeah. So you can actually research it. Yeah, you can just type in the name of a location we're going to go to and find out information about that location. Right. We don't have that luxury. Right. You know, and that's what's a little intimidating about me running the game. It's like, I got to make it all up from scratch. Oh, boy. <laughs> Even though it's the title it's of the It's in the show. name, yeah. I know. I want to know what Doug thinks about Erd. I got an, I got an idea, but we'll have to get there. That's, you know. I'm looking forward to it. I know. Um, I'm going to make a dumb, broken character in the worst way. Well, we'll, we'll deal with that when we get I to wanna it. Make a, I want to make a purposefully bad character. My, my general thing is, it's weird to hear, like, oh, yeah, I sort of underprepare. That's my guilty thing. I'm like, I overprepare for every session. Like, for when, when you're doing, like, a campaign, you're building the world or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I want these six things to happen. I'm not married to, like, it has to happen exactly here or exactly there, but they'll happen when you guys, because you guys determine the pace. I just figure out the world, but it's always the player's job to figure out how fast or how slow they get to a thing. Mm-hmm. But for every individual session, I tend to over-prepare. So it's weird that when building the entire campaign, I do very little. But when it comes to each week, I want to have so many answers. But I know that you always have more answers than players are ever going to ask. That's the way to be, yeah. Right. But using that gives me the confidence that I need to sit at the table and say, ask me literally anything and I'll, t- I'll try to give you an answer. There's only been, in my memory, there's only been one time where I wrote out what a character would say. And I won't say what it is, but it's there's an episode towards the end of season three when you guys were doing a thing, talking to a certain someone. And I, you probably noticed because I literally didn't look at anybody and I just read my paper in front of me of what mm-hmm. this person said. Right. But everything else was always just sort of off the cuff because I overprepared so much. I knew what this character would say given any almost any circumstance. It's, it's interesting because I definitely, way more than that, have written out entire lines of dialogue and conversations between NPCs. Mm. that you guys encounter in Echoes of the Star. Oh, yeah. Dialogue is actually the thing that I am the most concerned about being precise with because I feel like most of the characterization that you get from NPCs is through that way. And it's also the main mode of the conveyance of purposefully not rolled for information like because they can mess up roles and then not know things. I always fret over that. But like box text... In conversations, I always like to be a little fluid with combat and have like release valves. If it's going poorly, 
I can do this. Or if they're just steamrolling it, Mm -hmm. like, here's how I bump it up. Mm -hmm. I like having things staged out to be reactive. Well, here's a spoiler alert. Already in our system, that's easier to do. Oh, no. it. You can probably uh, tell a couple times where it happened. I already built the first encounter. I was going to be like, okay. Because boss fights and enemies are able to act multiple times around, and you can split their actions into several different things, it sounds like it makes things more complicated, but it makes your life so much easier. Because you could have a huge attack, but it doesn't have to be so huge that it's threatening. You can smooth out their damage among an entire round, and it's great. You don't have to worry about one-shotting everybody. Oh, and even in designing boss encounters, well, the first leg of its turn around, it does something aggressive, and then it does something buffy, and then it does something protective. And you can kind of wrap your head around its strategy Mm -hmm. that way, and I really like it, rather than being like, oh, this happened, now it has to do something aggressive, and your players can't read it. Where, like, it almost almost feels a little more Dark Mm Souls-y, where, like, it's, it's more about strategy and pattern recognition sure rather than just straight numbers yeah and that was one of the things so in the in the boss fight at the end of echoes of the star crypt he had this ritual that would throw javelins at people he never even got to use it because obed rolled rolled so high on his magic check to understand what would happen and it said yeah if he takes damage over a certain amount it goes away because he has to use part of it maintaining it and i wasn't even mad when it failed before it really got to ramp up because it was going to ramp up every round. Oh, it's going to be terrible. Yeah. So I had that in mind that that ritual would fail if you surpassed a certain criteria. And also, when he gets to half health, the golems go away, he gets ice armor, and any melee attack done against him, he can teleport. Which is a son of a bitch. Right. But you have to have hit him, which yeah. is still like, well, I'm glad I hit him. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it didn't plan out to where that became a slog. You know, with those abilities coming in, because in the first round, he lost those javelins in... I think it was two rounds, then golems. It wasn't long. When he got knocked under half health, so he had 100 health total. Yeah. And when he got under 50, he gained armor. He gained six armor. But before he got to act again, he was down to 30. Was that just teamwork or because of the damage was just so strong? Both. I mean, it was it was teamwork setting up that damage. Obed set it up understanding what was going on. I knocked out the javelins. As soon as the javelins were knocked out... He lost one of his turns per round. Essentially. And then we got to concentrate fire. The melee characters concentrated on his golems. And then, like, range just started hammering him. Mm-hmm. Going hard. Galen ran in and brought him so low with helmet mm-hmm. splitter. Yeah. And then he did an area effect thing that made a big area of difficult terrain. Basically. And then I destroyed most of it. <laughs> okay. In, in like, two turns, it was mostly cleared. Mm-hmm. And then melee characters just got in, surrounded him. He got hit once, teleported, and then was, like, f- done, flat out. Yeah, it's, it's something I've been learning as a GM, especially since I started to play for different people. Like, we went to the convention, and we played with different people, and I GM'd for strangers and doing different campaigns and different games. It starts to feel very one-sided when you have, like, four or five people at the table. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, I got... And, and it's not even, like, a thing of jealousy or, like, envy. Like, oh, I made this monster, and they don't really understand, and he didn't even get to do a special thing. But it's just sort of like, man, it really does kind of feel stacked against you when it's like you have one thing, and they make a move, or even two moves per round, and then you got to just take those fucking hits. Because, I'm going to put it out there. As far as video games are concerned, JRPGs are not my thing. 
Right. I hate turn-based games. And I remember when you were first trying to oh. convince me to go play Liam's game, and you were talking about how D&D goes. And I'm like, but it's like it's like a JRPG where it's like turn-based. You're like, yeah, but it's really good. I'm like, I, but I hate that. I don't want to take a turn and wait for someone to fight. But when you're at the table, for some reason, it just felt different. You don't feel like you're waiting around. Well, right. okay, I have felt that I've been well, waiting around. In some cases, yeah. you're literally waiting around because people don't know what they're doing. But... It's like time slows down so much, it doesn't seem to matter. Whereas oh, when I'm playing and, a video game... And also, game, like, they're doing their turn and you're commenting on it. Like, you're sure, in trouble. Sure, or, or even just being like, oh, they did this thing. Okay, now my options changed. Here's yeah. where I'm at. We're like, I know I just described this fight, and it seems pretty one-sided. And I, f- in recapping it, it does feel that way. But literally every turn, everyone was, like, on edge. Where right. a dice well, roll... Well, he, he opened up with max damage against oh, Keith. Yeah. Oh yeah, dropped him. Wow. He he dropped like dropped first hit. It was crazy. That's, well, no, it wasn't the first hit. He, the second he, hit. Second hit. Yeah. And, and and that's not to say that that means players are overpowered. It's just that when you're waiting and you just have to take those hits, you know, it's like that's the main benefit of what I've enjoyed about this boss fight system. Calavon had three turns around. In his case, he had also two golems, but they acted on his turn. Yeah. I did not feel like. I would go, then all of them would go, and then he would get to go again. That spreading out gives you a lot of room to breathe, I think, more than anything else. It doesn't increase your damage. It, it doesn't affect the numbers at all, but it allows you to parse out what happens. Where, like, in other editions of Dungeons & Dragons, dragons just get to do, like, seven fucking things on their turn, and they get yeah. to do a breath weapon, and then a claw attack, and then every once in a while they get to do a tail attack. It's like an you, unreasonable challenge. Oh, and then you, yeah. realize, you realize on their turn... They can do like seventy or eighty damage. Where like if they fixate on the wrong target at the wrong time, there is no recourse. Right, there is nothing to do, and your agency is kind of. Yeah. But spreading it out, it's like okay, that guy got hit. I'm going to do something defensive instead of offensive this turn, or someone's going to move in my way, or someone's going to try and and distract him or do this, or or we can get a heal off. Limiting the burst damage of bosses feels like a step in the right direction. So Liam, you're prepping a campaign. You're starting off. Yep. Blank slate. We don't, we, we've got some hint as to how it starts. Yeah. That's it. How do you actually physically start prepping? Location descriptions, especially basic ones. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, do you use it like, like physically? Like, do you use a notebook? Do you? Yeah. Okay. No, I have to write it out. I sit down and I just start writing down location descriptions in a notebook that I know I'm not going to use. These are base notes. This is a first mm-hmm. draft. It's purposefully a first draft. But it's easier to remember them if you've written them. When I sit down and start typing stuff up, I can look at this and go like, oh, it's a bad word choice. Or like, this sounds confusing now that I'm reading it back. Usually if I bring something to a table and I've had two weeks to prepare, I've gone through three revisions. And I start whittling down to like, what's important to the player? What would they actually notice? What is useful? And three revisions is my sweet spot. Okay. What about you, Doug? How do you, do you uh, use a computer? What do you do? Do you mean like for just a campaign or for a session? Campaign. For an entire campaign, I heavily rely on the computer. I probably should do more handwritten stuff like Liam uh, because I find that when I'm writing by hand, I unlock a thing in my hand that just it just keeps Likewise, writing. yeah, for sure. Um, but for whatever reason, I always start blank document, I'll, and it sounds hokey or too formulaic, but just to get me going, I write down uh, bullet points 1 through 12, and I go to Joseph Campbell, Hero's Journey, mm-hmm. 12 things, and my idea behind that is not everything must conform to the format of whatever but, but rather a skeleton yeah just but even the bare bones so that you can look at it at a glance and say 
does this even feel like a story? Does it even feel like a thing? Or is it just random shit, you know? Mm. And then once it feels like, okay, no, there's a story here, then I can throw it out the window and say, let's fill it in with meat. Like, let's yeah. like, let's explore whatever. And so I'll go from the bullet points and just start doing it. And then I start to ask myself, like, all right, well, what do I want the characters to go through? Like, what the players, rather. Like, what do I want the players to go through? Is this about scaring people? Is this about being funny with a twist or is this about being heroic is this right. about being yeah. nasty or, yeah are, are these assassins are these bad are, are guys? they so are they supposed to feel helpless are they supposed to feel heroic you know what what can i do to to make them feel these things and i'll be like okay well i want to have a if they're supposed to feel heroic let me have a really tough fight but a really grateful people respond Right. Yeah. And then, you know, and you can't just always have the same thing over and over again. So you have to have some Batman moments. Yeah. Where, like maybe they're they're unhappy. You save them. Sure. Sure. Or whatever. But just just to give it variety. And it's like a roller coaster up and down of like whatever. But I but I heavily rely on Google Docs. Everything is basically on sure. Google Docs these days. I'll often listen to music or, or and I uh, I spend way too much time bullshitting on like Spotify with playlists of like what I want, you know, whatever. This is a total tangent. But have you ever wanted to work with someone and then you start having the conversation? It's like, I'll just share with that with you on Google Docs. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't use that. And then you're me like, now I'm rethinking this whole endeavor because you just made it way more work. No, because whenever I understand that, I totally understand that point. But for me, it's like, oh, you don't know the beauty of Google Docs or Google Drive. Yeah. Let me show you how easy your life is going to become. So far, it's worked for the better. But I can imagine if you've had an experience, then yeah, no. No, um, I've, I've had people who are like, oh, let's, you know, we're going to write like four, five minute like web series shorts that we're going to shoot. And they're going to, what, they're going to email you yeah. a Word document? Fuck that. No. Yeah, they're like, oh, Google Docs, I'll just share it with you. I'll, 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 we all have the exact same document. And yeah. I'll present my outlines and yeah. this will be fine. And then I can even attach pictures of shot lists that I'm, I'm drawn up. And they're like, oh. Whatever, fuck that. They don't. Yeah, and they, they, they don't like, have, they're not they collaborating. Yeah, and if like, they don't know how to so organize much. their shit, then you don't want them. Yeah. They're, it, they're crazy makers. It becomes a it becomes a situation where setting up my stuff to send to them becomes a fourth of the effort that yeah, I'm putting forth. Is is like you're re- redefining it every time, or importing that. and exporting. And they're like, "What's the current version?" And I'm like, "Everyone has the stupid email address on Gmail. You have it. It's there somewhere. You just don't want to look at it." Um. Yeah, as far as like building an entire campaign, basically it's all on Google Docs. I'll have I'll I'll basically make one Google Doc of what I consider the story outline for the entire campaign, mm-hmm. and then I'll do separate Google Docs for each individual session. And I'll often go back and modify that main storyline document as players go on and make things or make suggestions or that they, they meet a character they like. But uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say other than I, I I just make a lot of lists and and a lot of outlines over and over and over mm-hmm. again. It's nothing but lists and outlines, lists and outlines, and then it just becomes more and more fine tuned to like here's a list and outline for a month in game. Here's a list and outline for in game time it's like maybe two hours and it's just a list of sequence of events but it's always loose and bullet points and open to interpretation doug and i have worked together we've written two screenplays we've collaborated on a bunch of things uh so it probably doesn't come as a surprise they've done road trips which i think is just as important (laughs) i I don't think it comes as a surprise to doug that i always start off with a bulleted list and then i i just i i create i write the ending where i'm like this thing will explode yeah. And then I'm like they and then I write the thing ahead of it and I'm like they meet in a tavern and yeah. then I just start filling stuff in in the min- in the middle. Mm-hmm. Then I abandon it. Yeah. Because I d- I cannot control where you guys will go and I don't want to. I d- I do have a question about that. Now that the first 
I guess season? Are we going to call it season? Chapter. 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 Yeah. How wildly different did the experience end up compared to your, I mean, I guess not ideal, but your original intent? My vision of it? Yeah. Um, That's hard to say because I just wrote, they're in a missile silo and they take off in a rocket at the end. I didn't know who they would meet. I didn't know how it would go. So like Forsha didn't exist until Forsha existed? I created Forsha in session one. Okay. I didn't know that Forsha would be possessed or anything like that going in. It's just things that you guys did kind of led me in that direction. Mm-hmm. Not not as a result of your character's actions, just of like the sentiment of the way the campaign was going. Mm-hmm. I did not have a, a very clear picture of the final moment or what of what things would matter to your characters emotionally because I didn't know i had no idea what you guys would latch on to it played out well i really think it did but i mean that's because it was adapting to what you were doing at the time you guys did something one episode i write it down i'm like okay all right well can i think of a fun way to bring this character back or what's a new problem i can introduce that they'll care about based on how they reacted for this other thing bolivo yeah bolivo brought back i have a tiny bird apprentice that's very important to me that stuff counts man that's actually you're you're, you're both making me feel like i i I'm doing my thing the wrong way. No. Because I ridiculously over-prepare. I sit at the table. It all goes out the window. And then everything the players do nudges everything. Like 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 course correcting on a ship. Just one notch and it's mm. going to end up totally different. So oh. I'm always over-preparing and constantly throwing it out. And oh, I I'm, feel like that's a waste of time. I'm always prepared for a hard left turn. You guys took in the, the first session, like the first campaign we were in, you mm. took two... Oh, heavy! I remember. I remember I one very clearly. Heavy. Yeah, but you took because we'll took, bring it up at any given opportunity. Yeah. You took two heavy left turns, where I was like, I guess the story I was telling doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. You were supposed to go to a new continent. There was supposed yeah. to be this whole thing. It was, there was a big MacGuffin that was destroyed immediately, yeah. and then another thing that was supposed to cause a civil war. You just flattened, yeah. and you're being like, no civil war. That guy who was supposed to be important is dead now. I was like, oh, I guess, I guess this doesn't happen. I guess you killed Robert E. Lee in his crib. Great job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but so so, I ran with it, and it was awesome. Yeah, but that's the thing. It became it's it's unforgettable now. Oh yeah. Oh no, it's unforgettable to me because I was like the next the next day I woke up, I was like, what do they do now? I don't know. But do but take some solace in the fact that we recognize how awesome that was. Oh no, no, I took immediate satisfaction in it because the thing to do it was insane, so unlikely. Wait, for, for listeners, uh, there was a magic sword that none of us wanted. <laughs> that was the MacGuffin of this The campaign. one ring to rule them all. But it yeah. was literally yeah. that. Yeah. And my character had some knowledge of how to make. Because you were, you were raised by dwarves. Yeah, how so to you, make yeah. weapons. And yeah, you weapons. had a crafting skill. And it was like, who wants to carry this thing? And nobody. Are we even, and it was like, do we even want to have it leave this cave? Because as soon oh, as we step out of thing, this cave. Yeah, this thing we, shouldn't exist. We have a target on our backs. And, and you knew that immediately. The world's over. You knew that immediately. Yeah. That it was like, this, this thing sucks. Yeah, yeah, so I said, well, would I if I roll my crafting, would I know how to just destroy it or dismantle it? And Liam's like, no, it's totally outside of your thing. And, and Doug goes, what if he rolls three 20s in a row? And Liam goes, if he, sure. rolls, if he rolls three 20s in a row, fine. And we're like, okay. And I had the big flashing D20. The one that know. flashes. Yeah. And I rolled the first one, 20. And like from that moment, you're like, game on. Like, <laughs> this is, this, yeah. That wasn't a serious thing that could happen. No, it was a Until joke. that first one, you're like, suddenly it okay. became real. Yeah. yeah, there's a 20 and it started flashing. And we're like, okay, how did, how did this go? Shake it, shake it. 
Roll again. 20. And we're flashing. Everybody's like, oh, no. <laughs> and here's the thing. At that moment, I was still like, no way. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Three, no. Mathematically, no Even way. Even the two, super unlikely. But you know what? I've seen good runs. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen three in a row good run. That back close together, back to back nope, from one never, player. Never seen it. Yeah. And then third 20 in a row. Flash. And people got up and they're like, ah! High broke my and, game. Yeah. Broke yeah. the whole I game. You dropped your notebook and you threw your pencil across the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were six pages. Yeah. There were six pages that were torn out the next day because yeah. they just they didn't exist. And, I remember. And then remember, afterwards, somebody I don't remember who was like was like Josh, throw it again. Just see if you can get four. And I and did. He did. Yeah. It and was a four. four. Yeah. And did, by the way, I know anybody listening to this is like loaded dice or wasn't throwing it. No. All, you guys were both at the no, table. No. 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 Hundred percent. Legit. Oh, yeah. and, I, I, and you weren't you weren't underhanding it. No, no nothing. nothing. Also, you know. I've seen that dice land. Yeah, badly. Oh, oh yeah, like, I've seen it, done it. But it was definitely that thing of like the whole plot. Literally, the big bad of that game could never ever be released ever for any reason, unless I just decided that that Cheated, moment yeah. didn't it, matter, yeah. it, it, and it, I it, and I didn't want to do it because it was too cool. It's mm-hmm. funny because because already your guys' reaction to this implies a different jamming style than than mine mm-hmm. because it'd be like yeah you break it and it's awesome and i would cr- I, like i'd be like okay cool i still know how this campaign is going to end and where they're going to oh. go like in, in my head i'm like that- yeah that's still so now what all i'm going to do is make it like oh that's a plot point that this thing is destroyed now and who cares that it's destroyed i'll make up somebody and then yeah. i would just roll from there i've never i've never quite put myself in that position I mean, but but it le- that's the thing. It led to an amazing game experience. I'm never going to forget. Yeah. But I've never allowed my players to immediately upend literally everything I've it, done. It literally changed who the yeah. the major antagonist of the entire campaign. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So, I make bullet points. (laughs) (laughs) You make bullet points. I make bullet points. And, and bullets. I, yeah, and then I don't reference them again. Mm-hmm. And then from session to session, I I remember what the next plot point is, and I try to create scenarios that if you're, if you're making your notes session to session, you know what your players' characters care about. So it's not so much railroading as it is like, yeah, let's give them what they want. Nudging. In this direction. I, I like to think of... Uh, because I don't like to think that I'm railroading people, but I do have a, an end in mind. Mm-hmm. So I think of it more as like that Wallace and Gromit short with the wrong trousers where he's just planting the, the rails immediately in front of the speeding right, train. Right. That's more what, like what it feels like to me as opposed to like, oh, no, you're, you can't deviate well, from this path. I, I like that metaphor immediately because I don't – the thing I don't like about the concept of railroading is that 
the GM is the one in control. Mm-hmm. But when you're when you're on a speeding train and your players are the one falling sh- forward, sh- shoving coal into the furnace yeah. as fast and as hard as they can, they don't care that they're on rails at that point. Mm-hmm. And if you can get to that point, you're great. And then also, if they take a left turn, if they're already hucking along and and on board for the ride, they'll turn right back onto the track you're on and have no complaints. So here's here's something I kind of want to put out to our uh, listeners, is if you guys want to see the kind of notes I keep from session to session, the latter half of Echoes of the Starcraft I've been tracking, uh, I've got a little iPad that I write on, and I can export those as images or PDFs or something like that. So if that's something you're interested in, let us know. I'll send you everything I've got. I don't think they're particularly that interesting, but if you have no idea where to start, GMing and you think you're not very good at it or something like that, yeah. let us know and I'll share that with you and you can feel a lot better about that yourself. Might, might be kind of encouraging to like listen to an episode of Echoes from the Star Crypt, read the notes that you had in front of you and say, well, if he can do that, yeah. you know, I could do that. So I kind of want to get back into magic because I was happy with the discussion that we had about divination magic uh-huh. and just using the example of predicting the weather being a baseline. Um the mechanic solutions we're coming up with where you only spend momentum or you do this and that, I, I f- they're so clunky. And I feel like if we know what we want magic to do, let's worry about the mechanics afterwards. Because right now we're bolting on a magic system and we're trying to fit it into existing mechanics. I think there needs to be a clear vision of what magic can do for players before we start talking about its difficulty. Oh, in, in, in a in a pure numbers sense. I'm, I'm very comfortable doing that. I do want momentum to be involved somehow. Sure. So we talked about divination, primarily in terms of the weather. Now I was thinking for behavioral things, charm person. That, uh-huh. We can call that soul magic. And that can affect a number of things. So it's not illusion. So right now we have soul, which is affects people's behavior or makes them... Emotion-based kind of? Yeah. Uh, affects them as a person in ways. like At a core. Makes them rage. Makes them not recognize a friend. Fall in love. Fall in love. That, yeah, it's true. I, I think that's on the uh, quid pro quo <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, do not yeah. do list. <laughs> that's, that one's NPCs probably NPCs you can do it too. So is soul magic in general more illegal than the others? I think it's yeah, a hundred percent. Oh no, I it's tantamount to necromancy almost. But like as a bard, you wouldn't want to dip into that to get the crowd. Oh, pumped. you would, but you don't. You're not going to tell anybody. Yeah, but it would it would be like illicit drugs. Like it's a thing you can find, but you have to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody to even start that conversation. But it could be even like what's the smallest soul magic because last time we said you want to know the weather in the next three hours is the smallest divination that you would do the smallest soul magic would be like you make somebody feel good yeah yeah i would say that like that's or or, either or bad yeah either but very mild but 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 the easiest thing would be to make someone feel good it's easier to make someone feel good than probably than to feel bad unless you because well unless you think it would be the same but just a minor mood yeah yeah but if it well because like I feel like if you were going to make someone feel bad, what's the symbols would make someone feel bad? Well, you punch them or you do something physical. Oh, I, I think that's. <sighs> but to make someone feel good, if you just smile or you like you tell a joke, it's it seems a little more. They're just more likely to buy your story. Like it gives you a bonus for diplomacy checks, that kind of yeah. thing against how, this person. How about this? It doesn't change their mood. It changes their receptiveness to stimuli. That's yeah. That's that's a good way of putting it. Where it's easier to put them in a bad mood if you like slight them. Mm-hmm. Or if you do smile, even if it's something that would they would generally just go like, ah, whatever. And they're like, oh, 
okay. You seem really yeah. affable, so it's, friendly. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a response to you, not necessarily yeah. the world in general. It, well, it's their ability to be responsive to stimuli. Mm-hmm. Minor things that would not make their day can e- in either direction. So here's, here's other things, too. You can calm somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They hate you. They want to fight you. And maybe they still hate you and want, they still hate you, but the urge to fight you vanishes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sure. Or you can enrage somebody. Which is just the opposite of that. Sure. Um, I, I do think we're going to be talking a lot about formalistic dichotomies in soul magic more than anything else, maybe? I don't think so. I think in, the, in these early tiers, yes. But let me, let me explain why. As soon as it becomes a direct command, yeah. There's no opposite. Yeah, there is yeah. no opposite. Protecting against this kind of thing. Uh-huh. Probably soul magic. If, yes. you, want to, if you want to kind of gird your mental loins, mm-hmm. is that soul magic? Yeah. Right? Psychics protect against psychics. Yeah. yeah. I think to keep it simple, sure. But I feel like uh, you could, Im- to make it simple for people who aren't in the soul magic thing but want to be protected, like amulets and rings and totems. But they are kind. imbued sure, with, sure, sure. with a ritual that yeah. you've you got to get someone who knows what they're um, doing to imbue it. Right. I almost want the defense against a thing to be broader. You can yeah. also just do basic defense. Sure. There should be a basic I'll magical just, I'll defense. Just say, oh, I think we actually talked about that. Protection magic is... Yeah. yeah. should it, be, ba- like, I, basically, you like someone can be like, oh, you're defensed against soul magic this heavy. Oh, I just have a basic protection spell as well. Right. Could it... This might be whatever, but could it be that the higher intelligence you have the more baseline protection you may have against it? I so, think that's already the case. Yeah. So where, where they have would to it be roll composure? That's a, I think it depends on the spell. Okay. If you're trying to enrage somebody, you're moving against their composure. Sure. Yeah. If you're trying to confuse somebody, it goes against their intelligence. Yes. Yeah. So would any of that be against endurance or strength or dexterity instead? It, for soul magic, no. Okay. Illusions maybe though? I think illusions goes against your intelligence more than anything. All right. Yeah. Uh, so the, in other words... If you have a high enough intelligence, you may not even need to know how to buff yourself against soul magic. I mean, I don't, I don't, or, like, or like, composure. So, yeah. For instance, where you're like, I'm under the influence of a drug. I'm able to, if not negate that effect, I'm a, at least aware of it. Let's say there's a group of people who've never encountered a con man. Mm-hmm. Con man comes in, gives you his whole spiel. Somebody who's smarter is kind of figuring out what's happening, even sure. though they don't have previous experience. Sure. So that would be intelligence. Yeah. Good mood, bad mood, calm, enrage. What else? What other kind Ingratiate? of... Ingratiate? I feel like that's almost like good, good um, mood. Instead of calming, enrages, or good and bad mood, we would say change their... Dungeons & Dragons and Pathfinder uses a term... Uses a mechanic where there are tiers of hostility. Okay. So it's like friendly, indifferent, unfriendly, hostile. And what you do is you shift their perception of you in certain... On that line, yeah, yeah, along the along that line, that's okay. I don't know that I really want to get into that very much. I think if you just make it so that your check is more likely to succeed, yeah, if you're more likely to convince them, that's fine. Because I think like if somebody is, it's a modifier, yeah. Because if they're if they are, you let the GM scale up how unlikely they are to be affected by your argument. Where it's Would like it- this is a plus fifteen because this person has excellent knowledge of the subject. Would it just make them more receptive? Yeah, I, I think it would make them more receptive specifically to you. In that case, what would you call it? Um, see, and that, that, that would be charm, really. Like, not in the way... So, if you take D&D and Pathfinder terminology out of it. So, charm in D&D and Pathfinder is they become your friend. 
even if they're an enemy. We're saying you're t- you are using magical charm to just make it more likely that people will yeah. do that. You become more likable or hateable. So what's the opposite of charm? Disgust? Yeah, there's another word for that, though. Rancor? Distaste? Ooh. Distaste is pretty good. I like that. Yeah. That's nuanced. Yeah. And open to interpretation. Yes. Okay. Which is important for rituals, I think. So you can make somebody distasteful. Distaste when dealing with that. It's a clunky word to use, but it it actually, the sentiment is right on the money. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I found him rather distasteful. Or offend is the opposite of charm. Ooh, I like that actually a lot. Offend, I like. Yeah, yeah. Because that is you make somebody more offensive. Yes. Okay, so we've got alter their mood to be slightly better, slightly worse. You can calm them or you can enrage them. Yep. You can charm them or offend them. Now are we in that? We're in inception mode now. Yeah. So now. <laughs> The next level of that, I think, might be they feel affection towards you, like a, in a friendly way. Yeah, like you charm them so well that they. Yeah, you know. and and charm charm is the word that the other systems use, but that's not actually you're, you haven't charmed them. You have made them view you as somebody you're not. This word isn't great, but I was thinking like enchant. Oh, I I don't yeah, I don't enchant. I don't think it's someone that they're not. It's that they view. They view your, like, the things that are positive about you are accentuated to the point of insanity. Infatuation? Yeah, infatuation. I like that. Like, you're not someone that you're not. They now require you. Seduce is really... Is nice. It's more appropriate, except for its sexual connotation. I like infatuation better. But even infatuation means that they are in some sense, obsessed with you, which is not actually what we mean. Yeah. Okay. Like a seduction, if someone seduces you, you're not infatuated with them. No. You might be, but you it's not. You might be, but it's, 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 it's not one and the yeah. same. In trance? Ooh. Mm. I like that. But that that implies a trance. Yeah. Like you're, you're comatose yeah. or something. Same with mystified or... That's why I like enchant, but in a world full of magic, that's... Enchant yeah. has a different connotation. Yeah. But beguiled? Uh, that's almost like you don't need magic for that. Befriend? That that would be closer, right? Like you you are ingratiate. That's not bad, that's but it solid. sounds it's like clunky. That's it, on the path. It's though. close. It's close because ingratiate sounds like you've done something for this person, and that's yeah. not what we're talking about. Enthrall. That seems harsher. Enthrall sounds like they're your slave. Yeah. Mm. So maybe that's the next level where you yeah. command them. You're you're enthralled them. Well, they'll do what you say just out of yeah. You know. You've given them a command. I have the perfect word. But the association with D and D and Pathfinder may harm it. All right, cleave. Cleave has two meanings. All right, cleave means to join or to break apart. So to cleave, ooh, to well, cleave somebody to you. Let's look at join then. Well, that's what I'm saying. We use both. We can use this tier is cleave. You cleave join them apart or, or separate cleave them too. I like it. I just think it, you have to remind people that it means also to join because I think if for people thinking they're going to think of a cleaver. Which sure. is a cutter. Yeah. Which, which yeah. is a separator. No, yeah. and that's fine, because you know what we can do? Put a footnote. Sure, no, sure, sure, But sure. they I'm also may think of cleavage, which is yeah. adjoining. <laughs> yeah. It kind of blew my mind. I never thought about that. Yeah. it's it, cleave, cleave has two meanings, and they are antonyms. I thought it was cleavage because it was, oh, they were separate. Is, there's a name for words Not that, that are joined. their own antonyms. So, oh, here's a good one. Sanctioned. Yes. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> like you could sanction it means you approve, mm-hmm. or it's sanctioned meaning meaning you, you're not allowed to have it. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Dust 
means there's dust or you are dusting, dusting like yeah. getting rid of it. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a dust. Oh, what's, yeah. what's, there's another one, uh, shelling. Yeah. Putting shells on or, or removing, removing the shells. shells. Oh. Trim. Cleave. Oh, cleave's in this list. Yeah. Is it Janus words? It might be Janus, yeah. Yeah, Janus words. Janus is the Greek god of hallways, pathways, and connections. And judgments. The idea is he has two faces, two minds about everything. Okay. Oh, like Janus films. And Janitor actually comes from it. The the guardian of the hallways. Hmm. Okay, so cleave. So we've got good mood, bad mood, calm and rage, charm, offend, cleave. Means to or from. Uh-huh. After that's got to be enthrall. Yeah, where they are at your command or repelled. They're not enraptured by you. No, no. I think I think enthrall is enough. Enough. They, they're just above? going to obey you. Yeah. And then after that, I think love. Yeah. After enthrall, like what's after? What's oh, after? I'm almost thinking factual. Enamored. Actually, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say because infa- I feel like love feels genuine. Infatuation feels false. They feel loving feelings, but I feel like love is always, at its core, should be a two-way street. There's, what is un- there's unrequited love. Yeah. That's true, but that's a specific type. You have to denotate unrequited. So, in, But to in, the person loving it, it's just fucking love. I want to take a left turn here. What is it to corrupt somebody? Oh, that's a hard question. I signed dude. up to make a game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to answer big questions. <laughs> I, I think corruption and, I, I'm not, and I'm decay not asking, is. I'm, I'm not asking for uh, synonyms. I'm um, saying it, I'm saying to corrupt somebody to make them like. How does worm tongue work? You know what I mean? Like what kind of soul magic is he using? To, I, I would maybe again. This might be just too simple of an answer to jump to, but it's like to make you do something that you yourself would never choose to do, but you make that choice freely. Like there's some like they 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 either surround to you with act something in not your like not even your best interest to actively against, choose against, against yourself your, your best interest like to actively choose against your own interest and because mm-hmm. here's the thing if if someone's in danger you're gonna run into a burning building that's actively against your best interest but you're heroic okay if you go up to an enemy yeah yes and you're like you are now my best friend attack your allies because you want to defend me mm-hmm. I think that word is dominate yes. Yeah, that's better than corrupt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're Dominate not cor- actually is a spell in yeah. these things. Okay. And I think that's the full breadth. Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't want any I don't want to explore past that. The other things I was thinking of all fall into illusion where you see yeah. your friend differently or it's whatever. A that's illusion. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's it's an it's a visual problem. This is a per- this is this is not based on perception. This is cognitively dealing with it differently. Mm-hmm. Where the other one is presenting different information to you. Yeah. Or if you say, I want your friend to appear like one of your specific enemies. Yes. Illusion requires a lot more background information. Well, because here's the, here's the truth of it. If I cast an illusion and your best friend looks like your most hated enemy, and he you're speaks. like, what are you doing here, bastard? And you're like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm so-and-so. And he's like, well, you look like this. And he's like, well, not to me. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. And, and you're like, like tell me, yeah. tell me something. Only Kelton would know. Uh, you're I'm stupid. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah no, that's cool. There must that's be some, know. must be some magic going yeah, on. Yeah, like, yeah, that isn't. There was, was that new stranger in town who. Yeah, <laughs> that isn't the stranger, him. strangest thing. I yeah. we were in a rocket yesterday. Who cares? <laughs> I like it. Let's stop there. Yeah. for that one. I don't want to worry about the mechanics of this one because we need to. Yeah, the number of people affected, the distance, all that. We we kind of have. 
a scale a scale for that so in regards to our damage scaling discussion doug wasn't here for that but we've caught him up Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on on it good and bad (sighs) looking at it on the page I just see a lot of numbers and letters, and I fucking hate algebra. <laughs> it's not algebra. I know, I know, I know. But looking at it, I just it just triggers that thing in me where I'm like, I don't, I, what? This is this. I perpetually always want to make things simple. It's like just sure, dirt yeah. fucking simple as Agreed. possible. Having said that, when I look at it more closely, I do see the through line. I was hesitant about using D20s at all, but that's so high level that it's like, dude, you're if if you make a character that with that many steps. You've been playing for a long time. Oh, I still hate it, and I will still. I, I yeah. I don't. I, I I'm not going to be don't, like. I don't. Let's think, not okay. do this. I My whole thing is if we come up with an, a better option right. eventually. Sure, I'm that. open. I am open hey, to whatever. If D14, 16s, and 18s become more common, yeah. I'm 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 open to other options, but I'm just saying, as far as like choosing the the the, the D20s, I don't think I hate the idea of using D20s as much as hating the idea that you've made a character that's that far along that that's your only like recourse. You know, like, well, I, I'm I'm level seventy five. I have seventy five steps. Like, dude, you've no human. You're not even Batman's not seventy five yeah. steps down. All that shit. You I, know, I have larger questions about it. That steps taking down defensive or healing paths matter as much to your damage yeah of your path as much as that i think that's a larger conversation and i don't think well, the that's fact that an, allows healing to scale i would argue that a doctor would know how to hurt you more than an old person would oh that's true but what about a tank what about a tank all right so you get to a point where you have a damage based daily and then you just go straight Citadel, and you scale just as well as someone who goes yeah. straight you damage. You go 75 steps. Well, I guess You've done it for so fucking long, you know what you're here's doing. Here's the I, direct I guess I, advantage I, I of... It, there's a direct advantage of the ability to use armor, the ability to gain more hit points a turn, and you still... Not in, in, in your entirety, but for a single ability, you get to scale the same way. There is something in that that we can protect against and design around, and I'm not saying that any of this is broken, but we do need to be aware of that situation. Here's my amelioration of that. Everybody's 12 steps in. Yeah. Okay. I go straight Citadel, 12 steps. My damage, the damage of my abilities isn't as big of a focus as it is for somebody who is champion. Yes. But the extra damage on their abilities is higher because it's multiplying and, and you know, it, it's been focused at higher tiers and, and mm-hmm. increasing their damage. I don't think it's a problem because every step we take their damage gets even better. Maybe. I, I just have a... No, I, definitely. I just thought of a question. Uh, sure. Let's say I'm a ranged wizard. Okay. Glass cannon. Yes. Right. We've been playing a long time. I don't ever want... I don't want anyone to ever touch me. Yeah. Okay. And, good luck. Yeah. No, but I'm just... I know, okay. but I'm just saying. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that, that's the goal I want to have. Right, right, right. And I'm always ranged. I'm always firing. Uh-huh. And my my abilities get more powerful. Sure. Makes sense, right? I'm, I'm like level 20, let's say. Or 20 steps. Does this mean... If someone steps to me and I do an unarmed punch, what am I rolling on that if I never had to throw a punch before? So punches, unarmed, let, let's make it a dagger because I, I think I want to introduce some unique rules for unarmed combat. Sure. Okay, but I was just saying like theoretically. like Yeah, well, let's, no, yeah, but theoretically, let's, like, let's uh, say it's a dagger. You're 20 steps in. Yeah, and let's say I've never stabbed. We can, stabbed. Look, we let, can let, literally look this I up. I know. I'm just saying let's say I've never stabbed anyone before yes. because I've always been super lucky with my range and uh-huh. my, my team is really good. They always protect me. This is the first time someone, three people got knocked down. I'm just a wizard who's out of spells. You're going to hear this number and you're not, you're going to be 
it's going to be solid. Mm-hmm. It's not going to floor you. Yeah, this is. We had the same discussion with Liam, mm-hmm. where he's he's like, "Well, let's say this," and then no, I give him the answer. The he's like, "Oh, that's okay." The option, <laughs> the option that I provided did work. All right, I'm step tw- uh, step twenty or twenty five. My, my problem is that uh, uh, the the different scaling of weapons when you add three weapon. Um, because of the r- dynamic range, especially of some of the reach weapons, is crazier. Mm-hmm. That might not scale, but if we make it flat and then we just provide a bonus, right. that solves that problem immediately. I, 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 I'm, I'm always looking for the loophole. No, and you should. Lay it out for me number-wise. You're using a dagger. Cause, sure. Because uh, the but, yeah, unarmed, yeah, unarmed the, strikes, I'm, 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 I want to do something unique yeah, with. Okay. But a low-level, a, low, so, a small a, weapon. A tier one weapon, sure. which is 1d4. Yeah. How how far along are you? Let's let's say twenty five. Okay, twenty five. Uh, fuck it. Let's say twenty. I don't 20, care. Like twenty five is heavy. Fine. Twenty. Let's just say twenty. Twenty five. You've completed two paths. Yeah. yeah. Let's just say twenty then. Yeah. Right. Twenty. Twenty five. You're like straight even twenty. Fire I'm straight ice. Yeah. Just twenty. I'm already impressed. Let's just say 20. okay. You reach out you're your dagger. You're still two paths, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so you you have completed two paths. Mm-hmm. You're a huge world ending badass. Mm-hmm. Twice over. Mm-hmm. Your dagger does four d six of damage. That's big. Yeah. But here's the thing. What did you need to do to complete two full paths? You're Merlin. Yeah. So you were av- you Merlin, are, if Merlin never picked up a knife in his life. If Merlin, I, if Merlin had Merlin to land, climb climb no. cliffs. Merlin at this point mm-hmm. has seen about a thousand combats. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So just <laughs> I get it. Sure. sure. Has, all right. He has right. barged down doors. He yeah. has gone through torture. He has flayed dragons. He has seen the end uh-huh. of other worlds. The average damage of his strike is 14 uh-huh. at that level. Uh-huh. All right. With a dagger. With a dagger. Somebody using a hammer, a, a war hammer, two handed. Let's say at fucking 20, 20 steps? 20 steps. That's what's, pretty what's, dope. What's their strength modifier? <laughs> like, let's, I, let's say two. Well, no. Let's divide by divide twenty by three. So eighteen by three. So they've added they've added six. Let's say three. They're adding they're adding to endurance. They want more armor. Maybe. The, the, they, oh, here's here's the base. You want armor? Okay. So I'll just say I've increased it by three. They started off with they started with three and strength. They've added mm-hmm. three. So they're at six. So they're at six. They counted double. They, hold on. I'm answering your question. Okay. okay. So Warhammer at that level would be dealing two d twelve plus one d eight plus twelve. Uh, I, he, he, I guess the, the the basis of my question, okay, is does it make sense? You've completed two entire mm-hmm. steps, like you've you've done you you're, you're, you've done twenty steps, two classes of magic. Sure, your dagger that sounds fine, but that same person can pick up a warhammer mm-hmm. and do that much damage if they've never picked up a warhammer before. So, so let's take let, the step. Well, no, no, no. I, I I actually think the answer is definitely yes. Here's my reasoning. Merlin being your example. Sure. Merlin. Merlin is my example. The, Thank you. The end of, of Lamort d'Arthur, okay? Uh-huh. Before the end of it, there's some noble walking down the street. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to stab this noble with a dagger. Mm-hmm. Who's who's more likely to do it correctly? Some street urchin who's had ne- who's never stabbed anybody before or Merlin? I think Merlin who's is going to get this. Do, do, but you're talking about the, char- the character of Merlin... As we know him, has probably handled knife war. I'm talking about a, I'm, again. I'm yeah. going off the beaten path. I'm talking sure. an extreme example. All right, a, a magic caster yes. who's typically never had to use right. melee weapons. I, I, I think they I, are I so want, much better and more used to combat that the answer in, is definitely in yes. physical hardship. To draw a mechanical analog to complete two full paths is you've played Dungeons and Dragons before. Mm-hmm. 
Imagine if your character was level 40. Mm-hmm. That's the equivalent that we're talking about. Okay. If you're a medic for the Navy SEALs and you're like fucking 10 year vet and you've seen some shit the first time you pick up a spear you're going to be fucking king leonidas with it you're going to be definitely more capable than any other than more capable than me no doubt i'm just saying that does it scale that much for a weapon that you've never held before i I think so yes when you when you start considering dailies and encounters yeah you can't do and, the crazy shit. You can't spin it around and bring it down your head right. and, and you don't kill have 30 splitter. people. But you can shove it at a dude. If Michelangelo picks up Leonardo's swords, is he going to be as good as Leonardo? Are we talking about the painter or the... <laughs> I don't have the turtle, motherfucker. No. All right. All right. Well, here's no, the no, thing. No, hold on. Hold on. They've leveled just as much, haven't they? They've it, been in the same battles. The answer is, okay, you are presenting it backwards. It is if Michelangelo, after fighting alongside Leonardo for... Side by side for her. Exactly. When he picks up Leonardo's sword, is he going to be better at it than somebody it's their first day on the job? The answer is yes. Sure. Okay. Is he he going to have all of Leonardo's cool-ass abilities? No. Absolutely not. So that's what we're talking about. Right. So your experience makes you better at everything. Sure. But you do not – that doesn't mean that you get all of the cool shit. Like, would – Okay, I'm starting to see what you're saying. Right. Okay. Because um, if you do said if if I say my main weapon is the spear, yeah, I'm going to take steps that are going to focus on making well, the deep. Oh, let's, yeah. let's flip yeah. this around. You are ten step scoundrel, ten steps champion. Mm-hmm. You take step one, fire. Your flaming lance is awesome. Yeah, so- does it even compare to my my step ten? Crazy Dale, it doesn't. All right, it I'm, doesn't I'm, touch it. I'm starting to see what you're saying. Yeah. But when we throw a firebolt, it's better than 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 rookie wizard day one throwing a firebolt, and it's and it shouldn't even be close. And I wouldn't suggest that it should be the same as like literally, you know, dirt farmer comes to the the first day. But rather, like, does it the sense of scale over time? It shouldn't. As long as as long as Michelangelo doesn't pick up Leonardo's swords and is as good as no, as long as we're not doing that, then that's fine. If Michelangelo and Leonardo both just pick up the sword and they're and they're like make a single slash, yeah. a single basic slash against this target, and they are the same amount of steps, they will make the same slash. But and then, but Leonardo could do overwhelming strike every turn. But here's the thing: that's the difference. And then they're like, go all out, and then Michelangelo would make that single slash. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I would drop it. Yeah. <laughs> I, or, so okay, or, fair enough. Or yeah. you would bury the sword into the mannequin. Yeah. Yeah. Using. Liam's example is the one main reasons why I, why I thought of this as a solution. If I get to step 12 and I go step one of some other path, that at will and that scene suck. Oh, they... I, okay, yeah. I see you... Okay. They're I terrible. Yeah. If I, if I you take shouldn't them. be as, as, as weak as the first rookie's first day on the job with Correct. that shit. Yeah. 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 If, if I'm like, sense. oh, well, I've done this so long and now I'm going step one fire. Your fire shouldn't a, be... A D8... Is yeah. not going to cut it. Yeah. After after twelve steps. Why would you ever want to multi class? Exactly. Yeah. So in that scenario, let's say you take twelve steps. Yeah. Uh, it does a D eight, right? You've yeah. taken like two Citadel. Because I cause, and then ten champions. Yeah. Yeah. To, to use the turtles metaphor, I wasn't trying to suggest that Michelangelo couldn't even hold a sword. Right. He should still be able to be deadly. But he doesn't have the features. Right. He doesn't have the abilities. By the way, those do are do extra shit. Those are the things that make this game right now we're yeah. like the reason why i'm an advantageous range character is his consistency of damage and his likelihood to hit because he's literally built for okay. that so I, I i can dig it is it simple enough 
Great question. That is that That's is the, the question. question. Yeah, and I think there are things we can do to make it simpler. And one of the things is I, I made a prototype page two of the character sheet where it's along the bottom in a rows of ten. If you say increase, so helmet splitter, we're, we're tossing around the idea of it just increasing your damage by twenty tiers. You just move right twice. You see the dice that you're supposed to roll. It allows for a lot of versatility. All right, I go core fire, step on fire, and then it turns out, you know what we really need more than anything else? We have a healer, we have a tank. Uh, let's say we have someone who's decay, doing a great job, and I start going scoundrel. Should my fire abilities, should they atrophy? They wouldn't. i keep them in my back pocket. Mm. I'd get stronger. We're not talking about the increase of an ability. We're talking about the increase of a character. That's a good way to put it. You've won me over this time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, 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 and let's let's flip it away from the the player mm-hmm. side. Let's move it to GM side. Maybe. And how how this makes it easier to deal with? It makes if you're a GM, this tells you how many exactly yes. how many hit points to give your enemies. All of the characters that you're fighting against, their HP has increased by minimum four per step. Yes. The damage that the enemies deal increases at the same rate. It becomes a lot easier to manage. And I know this because I know that Liam probably noticed this in the final battle was the first time I implemented this Oh, with Calavon. I, I changed his damage amounts. It was great in one point and then sucked in another. It made him feel very dangerous. It made him feel very dangerous. The only thing that sucked about it is he did the same thing that I did, but so much harder that uh, there was some FOMO. All right, well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, I want to thank Liam and Doug for joining me. This has been a lot of fun and nitty-gritty shit. We're deep mm-hmm. in the woods. Next time, I, I kind of want to talk about... I want to get into fun stuff. I want to do another School of Magic and then get into Step 4. That sounds awesome. So, it, Well, we got to get to Step 12 at least now because we've been talking about the damage getting that that's high. Right, that's right. I really do feel like base game Step 12 is should be our cap. Max, yeah. Because that's you also, get a lot more per step, and it takes longer and per that's, step. And that's divisible by three. You have a base stat increase that fits in that realm. And also, I, I do want to recommend that most adventure paths or, or most games cease there. And then I want rules for other games. Sure. I want to revisit the rule book and repurpose it in the sense of tiers for damage for weapons and abilities. And I feel like that could be done pretty easily. So we'll get into that. Yeah. So thank you guys for joining us. We really appreciate you listening. We are on Patreon where you can get the rule books, the character sheets, the cutting room floor, all the fun conversations. Don't make it to print at patreon.com slash RPGFS. Join us on there. If you feel like commenting on something you heard, if the damage scaling discussion enrages you, please tell us why. We love hearing from our listeners. It's one of our great joys. We are also on a lot of other social media platforms. We're on facebook.com slash RPGFS. We're also on Instagram at RPG from scratch, all one word. We're also on Twitter. We are at Homebrew Ombres, plural. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, stay safe, stand watch, and get a full rest. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.